Support for Speaking of Travel comes from Asheville Regional Airport, Western North Carolina's gateway to the world. Your safety when traveling to and from Asheville is, and always will be, our top priority. Visit flyavl.com for all your current travel information. Prestige Subaru, offering a variety of new and pre-owned all-wheel drive Subarus, built with the zero landfill promise. All waste is recycled or reused. With more at PrestigeSubaru.com. RomanticAsheville.com, create your perfect vacation in the land of the sky with the region's most popular online travel guide. Plan your next getaway to Asheville and the North Carolina Blue Ridge Mountains by visiting RomanticAsheville.com. And by Nest Realty and Realtor Janet Oppenheimer, a senior resource specialist. Janet serves the Asheville, North Carolina area. Visit nestrealty.com and look for your trusted mountain community advisor, Janet Oppenheimer. Welcome to Speaking of Travel with Marilyn Ball. Sit back and be carried away to places around the world and right here in our own backyard. No passport required. Hi, this is Marilyn Ball. Welcome to Speaking of Travel right here on iHeartRadio 570 WWNC. And remember, you can always listen to this episode of Speaking of Travel or any past episode with a simple click on the Speaking of Travel website, that's speakingoftravel.net, and on all podcast platforms, including the iHeartRadio app, Buzzsprout, Pandora, Amazon, and iTunes. And be sure when you visit speakingoftravel.net to sign up for the Travel Club. You'll receive travel news, helpful tips, and links to stories from young people who are proving we can make this world a better place. Well, my guest today is 15-year-old Hildy Kate Leshack. She's an American journalist and founder of the Orange Street News. And Hildy is a gifted young woman with an open mind who's bringing energy and ideas and courage to some of the most complex and important challenges facing the world today. She's already understanding the big picture better than most older generation people have, and she has a vision for the future. And Hildy, it is just really such a pleasure to have you here on Speaking of Travel. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me. So Hildy, 15 years old. Okay, I remember when I was 15 years old, I think I had a two-wheeler then, and I was riding around my neighborhood and just having a good time. Give us a little backstory of where you're from, kind of uh, what it was like for you just turning 15 and being where you are today. Yeah, sure. Um, I'm actually, I'm from Brooklyn, New York, and my dad was a journalist there, which I think is where I got my love of journalism and reporting. And I moved to Pennsylvania when I was seven, a little before my eighth birthday, and I started my newspaper. Um, Now I actually live in Arizona. I moved here about two years ago which is very different um, than, what, than what I'm used to and where I grew up. But 
it's, you know, it's been a new adventure for me. It's very fun. It sounds like it's been quite an adventure for you and and your whole family making these big moves and, and changing, you know, just really changing up your life. And that to me is very courageous. I, you know, I've lived pretty much in the same place for a good long portion of my life. So whenever I see people having to get up and move. So when you first moved from Brooklyn, I mean, that's, you know, Brooklyn. And then how old were you when you first moved out of the place that had been your, your home at that time? I was seven years old. And when I moved to Pennsylvania, and I mean, it wasn't that small of a town, it was 4,000 people, maybe so pretty tiny, but um, bigger than the town I live in now. But I just it was so boring to me. I couldn't. um, I just I couldn't find anything to do ever. I just was not used to it at all. I mean, I'd visited Pennsylvania because my dad's parents lived there, but I just it wasn't anything I was used to which is why I actually started, you know, the Orange Street News, just because I was so bored and I had nothing else to do. Well, you know, a lot of seven-year-olds, I would think at that point, being bored might, you know, collect baseball cards or get a scooter and learn how to, you know, do a skateboard. Here you are. Oh, that's when I started my newspaper. So give me an idea of why you would even consider, oh, I think I'll start a newspaper. I'm seven years old versus, oh, I think I'm going to go play soccer with my friends. What was going on in your head? So I didn't really have a whole lot of hobbies. I've always been very unathletic. I've just never been the sporty type. And, you know, at the time I was enrolled in the elementary school and all my friends were actually doing doing soccer or sports. And I just, I was never interested in that. So um, the reason I started doing journalism or like why I considered it was because my parents had a rule in our family that we would have to like write something every day. It could be a journal. It could be, I don't know, it could be anything. But I figured that this was just a way to kind of make it more exciting. And I mean, I'd already been introduced to the journalism world through my dad. And um, I was also I was also a really shy kid, which a lot of people don't really know about me. But um, I started like the newspaper. So I'd be able to talk to people and kind of break out of my shell for a little bit. Uh, So there were there were a few reasons. It sounds like you were definitely influenced by what had been already set forth in your life with your parents and having this kind of encouragement from them to express yourself. And And I would imagine that the values that were also coming through were to be honest and to look at things uh, through your lens that you were thinking and that that must have also helped you as you started to write for for your newspaper as you were looking at the issues and what you wanted to write about to take kind of that value system that was already being instilled in you and your family into the way that you wrote. Do you feel that that's how you were able to uh, have this outlook on what you were observing at that time? Yeah, I mean, both my parents actually are really amazing writers. So I've just, I think um, a lot of the conversations in our family growing up kind of centered around writing and reporting. So I'd already had some of these values that I applied later on kind of installed in my head. That makes perfect sense. So tell us about the beginning of, of your 
journalism career, Hildy, what you were talking about, you started your newspaper. What really did that entail? Was it something that you did on a napkin or did you have an iPad? What was, how are you making this happen? You know, I have, uh, I'm a journalist myself. That's what my degree is in. So I always carry around like one of these little steno pads, right? Did you have those in your, in your time there? Oh, I did. I did. So when I first started the newspaper, when I first had that kind of epiphany that I should do this, it wasn't as easy as I thought it would be. Um, I had written it out on like note cards, like the little, you know, ones with crayon because I didn't have a bunch of fancy pens or anything. And I didn't have an iPad or computer. I think my older sister had a DS, like a Nintendo DS that I could use every once in a while, but um, nothing that I could actually Uh, write on or type anything on so I sold my newspaper for like I think a dime in the beginning and it wasn't really a newspaper it was just pretty much gossip that I heard around the house it was like mom wants to buy a new car dad does not and it was it was just not very exciting stuff Um, but I realized I couldn't get far with that and I wanted to do something really serious so I asked my dad if I could you know have him help me with layout a bit and to use his computer and his printer because I didn't have a computer or printer. And um, when I first made the first issues, I think I made, like I printed like 50. Um, And I walked down to everyone on my street and I handed them all a paper. And I was this eight-year-old that nobody really knew who just moved to town. Everyone was so weirded out, but Um, that's kind of how I got my start. Um, with the question with the notepads, yeah, I had a really particular notepad that I used from Staples and it was like really, cause you know, I'm so little, I was like really little. So I had, um, like little pockets and I wanted my notepad to be able to fit in my pockets. And even like later in my career, I'm kind of going on a tangent here, but people would send me, um, like these really nice notepads to use being really supportive and I'd be like oh my gosh thank you so much but I'd really just you know I couldn't really use them because I I have a particular kind. You just wanted to get down to the nitty-gritty and really just (laughs) write it out and and be authentic that's what it sounds like especially (laughs) because you had talked about you know being a shy kid and not somebody who would really it sounds to me, go out and meet the neighbors and say, hi, I'm the new kid in town. And, you know, I want to come in and engage with you. Instead, you were able to uh, really start to find your voice as you began writing. Would you say that was true, that now that you look back on it, you were starting to find yourself and find your voice? I completely agree. My writing definitely helped me find my voice. Well, you know, Hildy, when we come back from the break, I want to I want to find that voice. I want to talk to you about where your words are coming from, where your ideas are coming from. And I want to talk to you about some some things that might be a little bit more complex for a child to even recognize as they're in that age of what's going on, kind of adult-themed stories that you actually broke the story, right? Yeah, sounds good. Okay, sounds great. Well, this is Marilyn Ball. Uh, we are here today. I'm talking to Hildy Layshack. Hildy, you're in Arizona, is that right? Yeah, I am. I moved here about two years ago. I 
I remember that. So when we come back, we'll talk more and and really find out about what's going on in that head of yours. So this is Marilyn Ball. We'll be right back. Whether you're traveling to points near or far or traveling on a life journey, every transition is an opportunity regardless of your stage of life. If you, a family member, or a loved one is looking to downsize, retire, or buy or sell a home, contact your trusted Mountain Community Advisor, Janet Oppenheimer, from Nest Realty in Asheville. As a senior real estate specialist, Janet will help and guide you through any life transition one step at a time. Contact Janet at nestrealty.com today, helping you find that perfect home to fit your next journey. Nest Realty. Fly me to the moon. Let me play among the stars. And let me see what spring is like on Jupiter and Mars. In other words, hold my hand. Welcome back to Speaking of Travel. I'm your host, Marilyn Ball. And I have to say that I am really hopeful for our future, especially when I am able to hear from people like Hildy Leshak, who is 15 years old and has already been doing the work of a lot of people that I know who are my age. And Hildy, it is just such a pleasure to have you here on Speaking of Travel. And, you know, what you've been doing with your writing has already made me start to reflect myself and and finding my voice and how long it took me to really feel accepted that I have something to say, people want to listen. How did you start to feel as you were handing out those first 50 newspapers that you were printing and working on when you were eight years old, when people came up to you and said, wow, I love this, do another one. How did you, how did you feel about that? It was super weird because I never looked at it as something that, I mean, I kind of like how we were talking about in the break. I did it for myself. You know, I did it because I liked it and because I enjoyed it. And to know that people were getting stuff out of it and people enjoyed it, it was just weird for me. It was almost I almost wanted to be like, hey, this is for me. Do not read this. But I mean, I was passing it out to them. (laughs) It's to blame. But um, it was just, it was almost surreal. But it also kind of gave me that validation. Like people like what I'm doing. You know, now I have more reasons to keep doing it. And it gave me a little extra motivation. So as you were moving into having a little bit more motivation, how were you beginning to grow I mean, obviously you're, you know, you're eight years old and then your next birthday, you're nine years old and then you're 10 years old. That's still a kid. So what was it really like for you still having that kid kind of brain and, you know, just developing into who you are to to really being able to say, Okay, well now I'm now I'm a little bit older and a little bit wiser and and I want to step out and do things that are even more important. What was your next step? Like where did you go from that little simple, oh my parents are having dinner tonight and we're having broccoli to something that had some depth to it? I think I ever completely made the switch because I think I started doing it when I was so young. 
that it just kind of became the normal for me. So I'd be, you know, the things that were on my mind constantly wasn't really the newspaper. It was, you know, what my mom was making, if I should go over to my friend Kristen's house and play Minecraft. It was just, you know, stupid kid stuff. And there was just the addition of this thing I really like to do and almost like a hobby for me. It was just, I mean, that's always how I looked at it, like a hobby. I never really thought it was it was abnormal. I mean, I knew the situation was kind of weird, but just for me, that's kind of what I grew up with. And I didn't really have a lot of context for anything else. Well, that would make sense that you wouldn't have a lot of context. That's your life. That's what's, that's what's around you. So what was kind of a pivotal uh, story for you? What was something that really kind of switched gears from being you know, just a, a happy-go-lucky kid who's having a good time uh, to really sinking your teeth into some heavy journalism. Um, yeah, so I started covering vandalism, and that was something that got me a lot of sources from a lot of different people um, because the bigger paper covered a few towns, so they didn't really want to cover the vandalism. So I had people in the town who trusted me. And from there, I slowly started doing, I mean, kind of bigger stories like break-ins and stuff like that. You know, like fun stories, good stories too. Um, But then one day I was doing a really weird story. I was doing it on the chocolate stroll in my town, which is basically every business has free chocolate and it's kind of an advertising thing to get everyone to go to the businesses. But I got a call from one of my sources and they told me that there had been a homicide a few blocks from my house. So I, of course, I biked down there and it turns out I was able to confirm it. It was true. And I posted the story on my website pretty quickly, um, a few hours before the like adult paper came and reported on it. And because I got the exclusive on it and because I reported on it, I got a lot of pushback. I got a lot of criticism. I think before that point, people really didn't care. I mean, I did, I did do some stories that upset people. For example, I did stories about, um, I think my fire department was like not spending their money, the tax money correctly and putting it into their personal racetrack. So I got some stories that kind of ruffled some feathers, but never anything like that. People really just thought it was, you know, kind of cute, like a little kid thing until I reported on the homicide. And then I got like an insane amount of criticism for it. And a lot of praise, too, would you say? Yeah, well, the praise came kind of after. So when I initially reported on the story, when I initially posted it on my website, I reposted it on my Facebook account. And it was just everyone in my town telling me I shouldn't be doing this. People I know in person, um, like, and people who are, like, three times, so, you know, so much older than me, who I talk to every day in person telling me how inappropriate it is for me to be doing these things and all of this, but um, the praise didn't really come until, so I have two little sisters, right? And I also have an older sister, but she's besides the point for now. (laughs) And I think my little sisters kind of look up to me. So I didn't want them to see me being pushed around by a bunch of adults who who are on Facebook. They won't even say it to my face. So I posted a video reading out a bunch of the comments that people were saying to me. And from there, it kind of, um, the video kind of blew up. And then I got an insane amount of praise and so many nice things and a bunch of wonderful opportunities. 
Wow, Hildy, that's really crazy. That's like crazy stuff, right? Ah. I mean, here you are, you're a kid, you're going out doing what you think is right. And again, you know, we had been talking earlier about your, you know, your character, the the values that you grew up with of being honest and being authentic and being able to, uh, you know, as you even said yourself, people trusted you. So here you are be, you know, that's what the, the foundation of journalism is being objective. Here are the facts. Here's the where, why, what, who, Mm -hmm. et cetera. You're putting out that. And yet you're a young, you're a youngster and you're a young girl. I mean, did you feel like that was part of it as well? I definitely, I definitely do. I think at the time when I first reported on it, when I was much younger, I would, I would say in interviews, I think it's, I would say in interviews that it was basically all because of my age, but as I've gotten older, I definitely disagree with that. Um, I think I've, I don't know, I observed some things and I think that if I was a little boy and I was the same age and the situation was exactly the same, I would probably be called you know, ambitious, uh, like goal seeking and, you know, a little bit just like courageous. And I definitely would have gotten some pushback, but it would be in a different way. It wouldn't, I don't, I just, I try not to think about it too much, but I definitely think my gender had an impact on it. I don't know how much of an impact, but it definitely played a part. Well, I, I'm, certain that it definitely played a part uh just as we've seen society over the years moving you know being more tolerant but at the same time having these stereotypes of uh boys and girls and girls are meant to be uh you know even going into soccer has been a big change that girls and women have you know, can play soccer or play other sports, just to to think that a young girl would be reporting about homicides and, and being uh, smart and brave are just stereotypes that maybe they had for boys. We're still growing into that. Girls can do anything too, right? Definitely. And especially some of the specific criticisms I got we're just, you know, she should be playing with Barbies. She should be playing with dolls. She should be having tea parties. No one would ever say that to a boy. They would, you know, if it was a boy, they would, they wouldn't be like, you should be playing with, I don't know, GI Joes because nobody would say that. And I mean, I guess you can argue that that also has awful implications, but it's just, it's weird to think about. <laughs> it totally is. Well, when we come back from the break, Hildy, I really want to dive a little bit deeper too into where you are today, you know, you, you started out at such a young age and, you know, 15 to me is still pretty much a young age. So let's talk about what's been happening. And you just lived through a two year time of, uh, you know, the pandemic. So I can't wait to find out what's been going on with you. I really am excited to have you on Speaking of Travel. Thank you. All right. Well, this is Marilyn Ball. You're listening to Speaking of Travel, and I'm here today with Hildy Lee Shack, and I'm excited to hear more about her story and find out about her memoir and how we can all get a copy. So stay tuned. Spring has finally sprung, and with our backyard in full bloom, now is the time to get out and find adventure wherever it may lead. From the mountains to the rivers and all the turf in between, we are no less than blessed with our beautiful backyard right here in western North Carolina. 
There's a will, there's a way. For the way, we have the wheels to take you wherever you wish to wander. Adventure is waiting, and the choice is yours. Find your adventure vehicle at PrestigeSubaru.com. Prestige Subaru, 585 Tunnel Road in Nashville. And welcome to Subiville. Fly me to the moon. Let me play among the stars. And let me see what spring is like on Jupiter and Mars. In other words... Welcome back to Speaking of Travel. I'm your host, Marilyn Ball, and I'm here today with Hildy Leeshack. And Hildy is in Arizona. We're talking about uh, her her career to date up to the age of 15. And Hildy, it's just so great to have you here on Speaking of Travel. Thanks so much for... Thank you for having me. <laughs> ...for taking some time. And I know you've got exams and school and... But I really, I really am... Uh, curious, Hildy, you, you know, you talked about getting all that pushback when you did the story about the homicide. And I mean, you know, for me, being an adult, when I get pushback, it's hard. What was it like for you being that age? And, and how has it affected you today, having gone through that, that you had all that pushback and people were being mean? That's, you know, how do you take that in as a kid? Um, it was actually really difficult for me. I've just, I'm a really emotional person, which I don't think a lot of people thought that of me. I think the way people wrote stories about me kind of painted me as this really just unemotional, confrontational person, just somebody I'm not, and someone who doesn't care about any of the media criticism. So I think when I was younger, I felt like I really needed to play into that. But in reality, I wasn't really like that. I mean, growing up, I was always just like, try not to bother anybody type. I was just, I was kind of to myself, you know, I wasn't trying to ruffle any feathers. So it was really difficult for me, especially because I didn't really, I couldn't really understand why people were so upset because I did everything right. Like I made sure all of my information was accurate. You know, I went to the scene, I did everything correct, but I couldn't get why people were so mad at me. And because I feel like when when your work is being criticized, it's easy to defend it. But, you know, when it's your person or your gender or your age, how am I supposed to defend that? You know, I can't lie. <laughs> so it was tricky. So how, how did you end up working through that to get to where you are today, where you've written a memoir about your life that you've, you know, you you're shifting into doing some other things? How did you get from that point A of okay, this is really crazy. I don't understand what's going on. I'm, my feelings are hurt. I'm not this person to working through, oh, well, I feel better now. I feel stronger. I feel braver. What was kind of going on in that period? Well, it took a while, especially because I think I really kind of um, screwed things up by not just admitting that I was upset at first. I think I kind of tried to bottle it all in, which never works out. <laughs> but I think especially you know, since quarantine, which is pretty much when I stopped my newspaper, it's been um, just like a lot of healing. I've been trying to deal with a lot of that stuff. And I think I definitely, I definitely have. I think it kind of took me because I, I stopped the newspaper. I'm on hiatus from it. My parents actually made me at first, but I think it was the right decision because I had attached just so much of my identity to the newspaper, you know, 
when you have, when you're so young and you just have so many people you've never met calling you a prodigy and the future (laughs) and, you know, people telling you that you're special because of the newspaper and because you're young. And then when you grow up and you're not doing the newspaper, it's tricky to, to deal with all of that stuff because um, I just assigned so much of my identity to it. So it was a really difficult thing for me to let go. And then, you know, quarantine came like right after, like right when I, so it was, it was definitely a difficult time period. I had just moved to Arizona. So I was kind of just isolated in my room where I didn't know anybody or I wasn't doing the newspaper and just trying to, um, I was journaling a lot. I was trying to reflect a bit, which definitely has helped me. And I mean, it's not just like an easy on and off switch. I think I'm still kind of dealing with some of that stuff, but I think I'm getting better. (laughs) Well, it sounds like you really are open-minded that this is something that you have to work on and that healing is something that takes time. And it sounds like you've got a good support system there of people who love you and uh, support you. So that's a good thing, right? Definitely. Yeah, I'm very grateful. I just like... I really wanted it to be this flick of a switch moment where everything was fixed, especially when I started writing my memoir. I wanted the ending to be very clean. I wanted the ending to be like, okay, I'm better. I woke up and I'm happy. The end, happily ever after. But things don't really work like that. You know, it's a really long process and that's just, that's just life. That's just how it goes. Well, I can tell you, Hildy, it's like, you know, you're you're saying and thinking things at 15 that some of us, you know, don't even, haven't even started thinking about. And of course, it's, it's something that I, I feel you can be a voice, you know, as you talk about finding your voice. And maybe it's not going to be in having a newspaper. And maybe it's not even going to be about writing a sequel to your memoir it might be something totally different where you go out into the world and, and you do something else, but all the while being able to tell your story and say, I've, I've done this. I'm still doing this. I'm working through it, especially today when so many kids, especially having gone through the pandemic, having lost their, you know, innocence at a time when they couldn't go be with their friends and do their activities and, and maybe get a little dark, you know, go to that dark side to be able to say, you know what, there is life after that. And there is exploration after that. Do you feel that that's something that you're visioning as, as you move forward? Um, I'm definitely trying to, I think quarantine was tricky on everyone, but especially younger people, cause it's not like they really know, Um, For example, I was, lockdown happened um, the end of my seventh grade year, and I skipped eighth grade, and then all of my freshman year. So it was just, it was weird, because I didn't know, like, I didn't have, you know, the high school experience, and it could be really isolating, I think, not, not just for me, for everybody. So I think that's something that's tricky to realize, but I think I'm getting better. I'm trying to kind of realize, you know, the different things that I want to do and my passions and my interests. Well, you have your whole life ahead of you and and you've got so much resource and, and excitement. You know, there's a lot of excitement, too. So how can people get your book? How can we learn more about Hildy? Um, it is on Amazon. It's in, you know, wherever you buy books. It's called Hildy on the Record. And um. I definitely recommend. I might be a little bit biased, but I think it's a good read. (laughs) I think it's a great read. I really enjoyed it. And I know that it's, 
you know, like you were saying, you get to the end of the book and, and you're you're hoping you're wanting that happily ever after, but it's life. It's like real life. Yeah. And I think we can go back to the very beginning of our conversation where we were talking about just being able to be yourself, be authentic, uh, be honest, and people are going to gravitate to that. I think kids and young people are going to start to recognize that that is the way the future is going to have to be for us to to be sustainable. Completely. That's why it was so important to me to keep the honest um, ending of the book. I didn't want to set any false expectations. But at the end of the day, you know, it's that's life isn't going to be a flick of a switch happy moment. Things are difficult. Right. Well, you make them come alive for us, Hildy, and I can't thank you enough thank for you. being here on Speaking of Travel. And I would love to have you back on uh, another I would love time. To be back on. Yeah, so fun. I know. And we'll catch back up and you can give us a, uh, you know, we could be in a fast forward moment and say, oh, well, here's what I've been doing now as I've been expanding growing up. Perfect. Yeah, I'd love that. That sounds great. Well, thank you again, Hildy, for being here today on Speaking of Travel. Thank you for having me. Well, it's really been so fun to talk to Hildy, and I hope someday she can come here to Western North Carolina and hang out, and we could go out and have have a meal together. Because, you know, it seems like more people are getting out and eating more these days in restaurants. And luckily, it looks like that industry is coming back even stronger than ever. Coming up next is Kate Banash. She's the co-owner and general manager of Copper Crown, a neighborhood gathering place in East Asheville. She's going to share how things are leveling out after the past couple of years and how she and her team have created a new model for today's restaurant guests. So stay tuned. Why not make the most of the beautiful spring season and plan your next vacation or staycation to Asheville and the North Carolina Blue Ridge Mountains? Create your perfect spring adventure in the land of the sky with the region's most popular online travel guide. Not just for couples, RomanticAsheville.com is an online guide covering a nearly 100-mile radius around Asheville, North Carolina. There are so many special places and awe-inspiring vistas around nearly every corner, and this is the perfect time to create safe and memorable adventures across Western North Carolina. Visit RomanticAsheville.com today. Fly me to the moon Let me play among the stars Let me see what spring is like on Jupiter and Mars In other words Welcome back to Speaking of Travel. I'm your host, Marilyn Ball. Well, while the pandemic really paralyzed one of our most important industries, new data is showing the restaurant industry is coming back stronger than ever. And there's hope that the opportunities presented during these past couple of years will ultimately have a high impact in sustaining businesses for the future. Many restaurants were able to pivot quickly and shift to some different business models. And I know people are really eager to resume dining at their favorite restaurants and business owners are making adjustments to become more efficient. 
Well, my guest today is Kate Benash. She's a co-owner and general manager of Copper Crown Restaurant in Asheville, North Carolina. It's a neighborhood gathering place and really a dream come true for Kate. And there's delicious food and drinks and everybody has a good time there. And Kate, thank you so much for coming back on Speaking of Travel and giving us an update on your wonderful restaurant. I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me. So, Kate, when we spoke last, you were coming through the pandemic along with so many other restaurants and really having to shift gears. It was a little scary time. I do want to say that I have told your story many times because it was so inspiring and positive and such an incredible example of collaboration and compassion. And now, you know, let's get a little update. How are things going now that things are settling back down? Yeah, sure. So, um, I mean, for the most part, everything has been going really well for us. We have been very, very lucky in that um, we had sustained support throughout the pandemic with folks sending in gift cards or rather purchasing gift cards and, and coming to pick up takeout food. And once we were able to reopen our doors, the amount of folks that were dining in with us again was, was really incredible. Um, we were able to open a small little patio portion that we were could heat throughout the, the winter time and that sort of thing. And, and people were really braving the elements to come and spend time with us. Even in the, the depths of winter, we would have folks out there in their mittens and, and winter coats just so they could experience dining out and also to show support for us. And so, you know, that was just an incredible experience for us as business owners um, and to be part of the community to really feel how much we meant to them. Um, as time has gone on and we've gotten more and more sort of out of those, those dark days of the pandemic, we've just really seen an increase in the amount of people who are making reservations. We are seeing, rather than sort of concentrated business on the weekends, for instance, where we would have those big nights on a Friday or Saturday, you know, we're having really robust evenings on a Tuesday. And so that's been really fantastic for us. Um, you know, that's caused for us a little bit of a shift in staffing. We've had to make sure that we're fully staffed, you know, seven days a week rather than just kind of, you know, heavy loading those weekend nights. And that took a little bit of time to get to the right place with that. Uh, I'm sure as a lot of folks are aware, our, our labor market was hit really hard. You know, when you hear about the great resignation, that really did affect the restaurant industry. Um, significantly, you know, we at Copper Crown have made a, a really big effort to be really good employers to make sure that we are treating folks with dignity and, and giving them what they need in terms of wages and as much as we can benefits so that they can have a sustaining career. And so we were able to respond um, and sort of uh, deal with some of those labor shortages, I think, in a way that was a little bit less drastic than some folks that we know of in the in the restaurant community. But it still was a, a delicate dance there of finding the right people at the right time, getting everybody trained up. And now it's just kind of like business as usual. It's really interesting how it almost feels like we're back to pre-pandemic times in terms of just, um, you know, the expectations of diners have shifted, whereas we had a lot of folks that were really just had this like intensity about them in terms of dining out that seems to have sort of waned a little bit folks are a little bit more normalized in their behaviors around dining for better and for worse um and then we've seen takeout really kind of drop off and we're just seeing that you know folks are just happy to be out and about 
They're happy to be spending money on dining and we couldn't be more grateful for that. Well, Kate, I, I see what you've been doing through all of this as leadership. This is, you know, you've set the tone. You said this is how we're going to do it. We're sticking with our values and our uh, mission. And you have stayed that course even through some very hard times. And I'm just very excited for you that you have a team again that is uh, all in everybody's you know happy to come to work and happy to be there and I know that you have made some shifts in the in your business model to ensure that everybody is kind of on the same page and you're finding that's working now that everybody is feeling like a really like solid team there yeah, absolutely. I mean, we all have our, our human moments, but um, yeah, we did make some changes to the, basically to the the dynamic between payment for the, what we call the back of house, which are the people in the kitchen and the front of house, which are the folks who work in the dining room, the front facing folks. Um, for a long time, there's been a huge discrepancy in the way that those two categories of workers have been paid. And so it was really important to us to take the, the this moment of the pandemic and just sort of rewrite that. And, you know, unfortunately we did lose a couple of people, um, most in the front of house who just couldn't quite wrap their heads around this new way of, of being. But, you know, for us, that was just kind of um, just sort of necessary collateral, unfortunate, but at the same time, we really wanted everyone who remained with us to be fully on board because it's important for us that everyone has respect for the different roles that they all play in the restaurant. You know, I think about it as like cogs in a machine. All the cogs have different functions or different sizes and shapes and all of that. But without each individual one, it can't function. And so that's really what we try to, you know, promote as much as we can amongst our, our employees. And, you know, we, we have had some really good luck. We have pretty low turnover. Um, and, and folks, you know, generally enjoy working for us and, and being in at Copper Crown in East Asheville. So, and a lot of that, you know, a lot of that thanks goes to our incredible, loyal local supporters. You know, when you see the same faces day after day and you can just sort of, you can feel the graciousness and the gratefulness that people bring to their experience. It makes it a lot easy, a lot easier to mirror that back because of course we want everyone to have that experience of, of just really enjoying their evening with us. But when folks come into it, just really excited to be there, then it just amps it up. And we're just, you know, it just feels like this great sort of community situation for us. Well, it is definitely a community situation. And it's, to me, I, I just wish we could take that model that you just spoke about and apply it to every industry in the whole wide world. Just think how <laughs> happier we all would be. And just knowing that there are pockets here and businesses here that are, that are actually walking that is, uh, is very hopeful. So I am excited for uh, where you are. I know you had to make some big, big choices, and I'm sure it was just a mind whatever to, <laughs> to get to that yes, place. Yes, it was. So, Kate, how can people get more information? What's your website, and uh, when can yeah. we come to visit? Sure. We're active on social media, um, Copper Crown AVL for Asheville. And then our website as well is coppercrownavl.com. Um, and we are open seven nights a week. We are looking to add back, add back in Sunday brunch at some point this summer, but <clears throat> we're not quite there yet. So, Well, we're just happy you are where you are now. 
Yeah. Thank you. Congratulations. And I'll look Thanks forward so to having you back again and, and updating us again, because it always seems what's going on at Copper Crown is uh, what should be happening everywhere. So just getting that reinforcement is always a positive thing. Well, thank you. I really appreciate that. All right. Well, thank you, Kate. And thanks to Hildy for being on Speaking of Travel. So I'm preparing to take my first big trip in over a year. And I know I need to be really thinking about self-care right now and how to remember to practice that when I'm traveling. Now, I do plan to continue to wear my mask on the plane. And I've already set up some yoga classes when I get there. But it's so much more than this. I mean, checking in with my mental health as well as my physical health is really important to travel. So I'm going to establish and practice a self-care routine when I'm traveling. I'm already reminding myself of how exhausting it can be to travel to another culture with a different language and different food. And I know I can get a little anxious and self-conscious about making a fool of myself which I have done before, especially when I speak another language. But one thing I know for sure, dehydration is a thing. You need to drink water and water and more water. And be sure when you travel, not only to drink a lot of water, but even go for a swim when you can. Water is a diffuser and we need to keep it around us to keep going. So as I begin packing, I'm going to bring along some things I know will benefit for my self-care needs. For one thing, I'm only bringing loose-fitting clothes. I think I've traveled enough to know I am only comfy in the stretchy. And I care about my skin, and there's nothing worse than not having a good skin care regime. So I'm bringing an eye mask and plenty of moisturizer. And I'll bring my reusable water bottle and most likely some earplugs, definitely my music. Obviously, I'm pretty darn excited to be going on a trip again. You know, exploring is one of the most empowering forms of self-care and a perfect way to recharge our minds and our bodies. Taking care of ourselves, whether traveling or not, is how we can keep our power intact. Because remember, life is short. Don't postpone joy. Run!